Hi, and welcome to My Favorite Conservative. I'm Andrea. And I'm Edward. And I am not conservative, but he is my favorite conservative. Amen. All right. So we had the election, Edward. Uh, we did. We, we did. did. Yes. So what are we going to talk about? There are so many different places we could go, but I yeah. know you have one one main point you want to talk about. Election night was certainly interesting at, at the House. Would you say that? As we both kept waiting for this wave to come over us. and Well, I just waited for results that still haven't happened yet. Well, that's true. And, and that we're now many, many days after the election. And oh we gosh. still don't have answers right. for the House, at least. Yes. So this uh, even governors. And the governors. Yes. Yeah, so, that's true. That's all right. True. So what are we but talking about? I wanted to talk about mail-in voters. Mail-in voting, I should say. I think that is the major issue that made this an election that should have easily gone to the Republicans and they may just barely squeak out the house. Okay. Well, I, I think they'll get the house. I don't think that's in question, but before you dive into your first point, mm -hmm. would you just give our listeners a little bit of a frame of reference? Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Actually, I uh, grew up and born and raised in the state of Florida for 50 plus years. I've, I've been through some different cycles in Florida where Florida used to be the laughing stock, <laughs> you know, going all the way back to 2000, what, 22 years ago, we're talking right. Bush Gore and the recount and hanging chads and dimpled chads and everything else. And that's kind of what started, I think, this whole journey that the Democrats have gone on in terms of how can we get an advantage in a recount, in close elections and whatnot. And that's where I think the whole mail-in balloting thing kind of originated. Okay. After that election in 2000. For our young people, Google hanging chads. That's right. Continue. And dimpled in hanging chads, correct. <laughs> I've got a dimple on my hanging chad. Okay. Like All right. In 2005, there was such concern about that election that they formed a federal election commission uh, headed by Jimmy Carter, former President Carter, on the left, and uh, James Baker, former Secretary of State in the George H.W. administration. And their finding was the biggest danger to a safe and secure elections is absentee voting, read mail-in ballots. Okay, I'm going to say that again. So the biggest danger, mail-in ballots. Correct. Okay, all right. Yes. <laughs> Boy, shocker, that's a shocker. Yeah, right? we're, yeah. we're, we're stunned. Where are we now? Okay. You know, let's fast forward a little bit. We get to 2010. Obama, in his first midterm, loses 63 seats. A complete shellacking. Yeah, it was. He really even was. admitted it. The Democrats. Was that worse than Clinton? Yeah. Okay. Clinton lost 40-something, I believe, at the time. Okay. Yeah, the Democrats, I think, took that as a battle cry that this will never happen again. And they started, especially in the more liberal states, they started with more mail-in voting. They started ballot harvesting. And, you know, fast forward up to 2016 and the Trump surprise, which I think... Is that what we're calling it? For Democrats, <laughs> it's a bit of a surprise. Yeah. It's more I think, like a I think knockout, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, after that, the gloves were off, that this will never happen again. They they have said that that someone like Donald Trump will win close elections, and they went full bore on every mail-in voting. They extended voting days from to weeks to months now. We're into, I think we're almost two months in some states. 
And they just decided it's it's never going to be close again. And if it is close, we're going to win it. Okay. Well, I just want to jump in here and say that when I was a kid, I remember that the only people who could mail in ballots initially were Americans serving in our military who were overseas. Totally makes sense. And then I believe they actually extended that to expats. So again, if you're an American, you're living overseas, even if you weren't in the military, you could have a mail-in ballot. And then it just, like you said, it just kind of slowly eroded that by the 2000s, my ex-husband works in the entertainment industry. And I actually believe it was the union that made this happen. They are not let off work. If you're working on a TV or a movie, you're working 12 plus hour days. They're not going to let you off in time to go vote in the election. So all members of those entertainment unions were allowed to do mail-in ballots. And that was not primarily in California, but I believe that's where it originated. So it seems like, if you said, it kind of slowly happened over time yeah. until it was like, okay, this has to be done. Yeah, it was the mission creep. Yeah, you had the basically what you're talking about, the unions and then, you know, the military. There was also, you know older people that were infirm that were in nursing homes, things like that, that they, you had to have a good reason. You had to have get, a very good reason yes, to get a mail-in ballot. They would actually check them out and things. So, but now it is an absolute free-for-all. And I think, you know, where we are right now is in many, many states, they will mail out ballots to every name yeah. on the voting list. Ever. So ever. Whether ever. you're dead whether you've moved, it doesn't matter. And when they when those ballots go out, they know where to go get them. They know how to harvest them, which means cheat pretty much. You know, when you're letting a third party handle somebody else's ballot, that breaks the chain of command of that ballot and it should be illegal. Chain of command or chain of custody? Or chain of custody, excuse me. That's okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Just think of military. I, I know, I know. Go ahead. But yeah, so that's that's where we are now, where they they have just flooded the zone, you know, to use a football term, where they have just absolutely tried to overwhelm the whole system. And they realize if they do it this way, and they have done it this way the past couple of election cycles, that by the time they get caught, if they ever do, it's too late. And people just go, oh, we're just moving on to the next election, or they call you what election deniers. Well, so. I also want to add, too, that I think social media plays into this as well. And I did oh, yeah. not notice this in 2008. I didn't notice it in 2010 or 2012. I really only noticed it, again, since Donald Trump, where I was asked to register to vote multiple times from Facebook or Instagram, which of course is owned by Facebook. And I'm not going to register to vote through Facebook. Sorry, Mark, not happening. And, and that's a problem too. Yeah, social media, the media in general, there used to be a joke among Republicans that you needed about two or three points of margin in terms of the margin to cheat because you knew you were going to be down two or three points from the get-go because there were going to be some shenanigans going. That's now, to me, I think that's up to at least four or five percent. And I think the media is another four or five percent on top of that. So Republicans, I think, start in about an eight to 10 percent deficit. You know, I don't know if you saw this last election cycle, they did a national review on the stories that the media was doing. And 67 percent of the stories for Republicans were negative. You know, that's hard to overcome. It really is. So that's, you know, just another obstacle that I don't know how it's going to be 
overcome. But you know, social media is another one of those areas that Republicans need to get better at. What do we do about it? There one place where there was a tsunami, a red tsunami, was my former state of Florida. Florida. Ron DeSantis absolutely killed it. Back four years ago when he won his first election, he won by, I believe it was three-tenths of one percent. Yeah. Over Andrew Gillum, who was a horrible candidate, but was being pushed by the left as this new Barack Obama. Very fortunately, Ron DeSantis won that election with Trump's help, we will say, definitely with Trump's help. But when he got in, he went in to full mode of making it easier to vote and harder to cheat. You know, they instituted voter ID laws. You know, voter ID laws nationwide among everybody, black, white, you name it, are 80%. 80% of the people think you should have to present ID. Okay, vote, you need right? to clarify that. Yes. Okay, that, it sounded like voter ID laws were in 80% of the country. No. That's not what you meant. Correct. That 80% of the people agree that you need a voter ID to okay. vote. And for some reason, the Democrats think minorities just don't have the ability to present an ID. You need IDs for everything. Yes. I need an ID when I go see my doctor. You need IDs for everything. It's the epitome of the soft bigotry of low expectations. It really is that they they just can't do it. They're just not smart enough or whatnot. You know, it's ridiculous. Everybody has an ID. And if you don't, most states give it to you for free and they help you out. So anyway. So what else did Florida do? Uh, Can you kind of go down the list of things that Florida did? They went back to, we're not mailing out ballots to everybody on the list. You have to request. All right. So you have to request mail Okay, you Correct. have to request it. What and else? There will be no ballot harvesting. No, no ballot harvesting. Okay. Going around picking up ballots and then turning them in. Okay. There's also no drop boxes. No drop box. Ooh, I like that one. Yeah. Okay. Because all these drop boxes that you're seeing, where they place primarily in the minority communities in these big cities, somehow overwhelmingly like a hundred percent vote for one candidate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those are the three main things that they did. And so I just want to Say those again for our audience. So they voter instituted ID. voter ID laws, no ballot harvesting, and no drop boxes. Correct. Love it. Yeah. And look what happened. Basically, almost the entire media was predicting came true in Florida because they have the fairest and fastest, mind you. Okay, that's the other thing we need to talk about. Yeah. So at the time of this recording, we are about a week out from the election, and we still don't know which party controls the Senate. We're, I think we can say with confidence, Republicans will take the House maybe by not as many seats as they thought. But And there are still all these outstanding gubernatorial races, and I'm saying it properly this time, a- including Carrie Lake of Arizona. Yeah, this is one of those typical, You have, the Republican has the lead until they keep trickling in, trickling in, trickling in. And then as soon as the Democrat starts leading, that's it, we're done. So Wait, no, that's not true. No, that's not true with it, Carrie Lake. No, it's not. Okay. This one's, no, no, no. She's never had the lead in Arizona. That's, that's true. Okay, she's never had, Blake but on election day, and many people have talked about this, on election day, they knew that there were machines that voting machines that were screwing up in Maricopa County. And here's the here's the real thing that gets me, regardless of party. The Secretary of State within a state runs the elections for those states. They oversee them. They're in charge. And Carrie Lake's opponent for the governor on the Democratic side is Katie Hobbs. Yep. Is that her name? Katie mm-hmm. Hobbs. 
She's the secretary of state. How is that legal? Can someone please tell me how that's legal and how she didn't recuse herself? And she was asked to recuse herself when she declared that she was going to run over a year ago. And she did not. It, so that's just is. right for corruption. Well, yeah, unfortunately, it is legal to still maintain that relationship. But I think common sense and wanting to show that there is no malfeasance. Right. Should somebody have that position, they should recuse them. Yeah, because people yeah. are laughing at Arizona right now. They're oh, laughing. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, yeah, they were laughing two years ago. They're laughing today. And they're and at Nevada, too. Nevada, Nevada. I believe it's Nevada. I think it's Nevada, but go ahead. Again, that was one of those that was predicted the entire state was going to go red. And I think it's it's about 90% Democrat now. So it's just a, another one of these mail-in ballot things where they can't get the results. They have trouble with the printers and they have trouble with this and that. And back to Arizona that you were talking about, two days before the election, the election commission said, yeah, we're ready to go. We've got everything said and we've tested everything a million times. And yeah, this is what happened. So you had California, Nevada, and Arizona counted a total of 70% of their votes while Florida had 100% days before. I mean, how, no, Florida had it that, that night. Yeah, that it, it night is, they were done counting. It yeah. is ridiculous. I think, you know, we have to go back to some sort of semblance that you're going to get a result. If not that night, there should be about a 48 hour window of which the results have to be. I agree with you that this started in 2000, because that's the first election I remember in my lifetime. And I'm quite a bit younger than you, but I remember my lifetime. <laughs> Where it was, it was shocking that we didn't have the results. Yeah, it was, it was just shocking. And and I do actually, I stayed up all night and went to work the next day, and was so just blurry eyed as many people were, because it was like, how how do we not know who the president of the United States is? And that was the first time that had really happened. Yeah, you know, that that kind of started the ball rolling, and now we're paying the price. Is there anything else? Because. Just so y'all know, there's like a laundry list here of stuff. <laughs> I think we covered most of it, but yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I just have trouble accepting or understanding that, you know, how does Pennsylvania vote for John Fetterman? How how does that state go for Fetterman? I understand. Dr. Oz was not the best candidate, though. Well, for it, that was state. Not, but it was not. He was a carpetbagger. A brain damaged individual. I know. How does Gretchen Whitmer? Well, okay, well, let's go back to Pennsylvania. To your point about these voter laws, people had been voting in Pennsylvania for th what three weeks before the one debate that Fetterman agreed to do. Oh yeah, and I think it was longer than that. Yeah, they they've been voting for a long time. I, I don't know even if it would have made that much difference because it might have. Well, again, they have one of the loosest forms of election counting. There, you know, they send everybody ballots, and it is Philadelphia. They've always had problems and they continue to do so. It, it makes zero sense. The issues that were out there. And what were those issues? You know, well, again, we're, you know, everybody's worried about the economy, right? The inflation is just through the roof. And Biden absolutely owns that. The Democratic Party absolutely owns that. And people vote for their pocketbooks, you know, with their pocketbooks, I should say. And that you think that you're better off today than you were two years ago is absurd. I believe the economy was the number one issue. However, there were some polls, not many, but some that said that that was not the case in some places, that abortion was actually a much bigger issue 
than the Republicans thought it was going to be. And also, I think this is probably true in certain states. The border, of course, if you're in a border state, I'm sure that was right up there with the economy. Didn't the New York Times have a poll? And they're they're not conservative. Uh, No, far from conservative. Yeah, I mean, basically 75% of the people in the country, 75% think we're on the wrong track. And, you know, if you start with that as as your main thought process on who's going to win the election, usually the, the, the party out of power who has zero yeah. responsibility, who doesn't have the White House, doesn't have the House, doesn't have the Senate, right. should do better. You just see areas like we talked about, Pennsylvania and Michigan. You know, Gretchen Whitmer, the governor in Michigan, is incredible incredibly unpopular because she was one of the strictest right. lockdown Closed queens school. of yep. schools. But not only that, the hypocrisy where, you know, she told people they couldn't get their haircuts, they couldn't buy paint at the store because God forbid they paint a bedroom or something while right. they're in lockdown, while she was flying down to Florida to visit her elderly mother privately and didn't make a big deal about it until she got caught. So yeah. Those kind of things infuriate voters, the hypocrisy that, that these She's politicians... still won. Well, that's my point, is, again, is it in the bag already before before the votes are even counted? Right. My point is, is this should not have even, not even have been close. And when 75, when three quarters of the country think we're on the wrong track, and the Republicans barely squeak out winning the House, if they do, and they it's going to be, it's going to be two or three votes, tops. Is all it's going to be, which is insane. It should be 30 or 40 votes. They should have the lead by. So okay. I thought it was going to be more than that. We're um, struggling to get to that point. Okay. We're going to do a little bit of a transition here. And we're going to talk about because DeSantis had such an overwhelming victory and, and really Florida just across the board, like you said, did, did everything right. Has their election laws down tight. They've got it just dialed in, if you will. And Florida as a state overall is really prospering and thriving. There's been a lot of talk about DeSantis 2024. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean with Trump? Now, I just want to add that it tells me that Trump sees DeSantis as a threat. When only days before the election, he called him Ron DeSanctimonious. Correct. Right? Yes. That was so appalling to me. Not that I think Trump could necessarily sway an election, but it was like, come on, you guys are on the same team. And to me, that's Trump sees him as a huge threat. What What are your thoughts about a Trump versus DeSantis primary and what that would look like? In 2016, I was a Ted Cruz fan. I thought I remember. That, I thought yeah. Ted was was the most conservative because he had proved he was. Donald Trump was a liberal, you know, New York yep. real estate person. And no track record. And I thought, oh Lord, we can't trust this guy. But he was saying the right things. But I've been yep. fooled before by people saying the right things and end up doing something completely different. I was thrilled the way he governed in his first in his first term. I absolutely love what he did. He had a lot to battle in terms of the establishment and everything. Yeah, but he didn't hesitate to talk to reporters every day. No, no. He was the most accessible president ever. Ever. Yeah, ever. ever, He talked to him every day on the way to the helicopter for 30 minutes. He would stand there and field questions. Awesome. Awesome. He can do that. The only chink that I saw in his armor was when COVID started. And when you and I were talking, this was, you know, March 
of 2020. And I looked at you and I said, and he started talking about Fauci and the lockdowns. And I said, he's getting played. He's absolutely getting played right now. We don't have to do this. And he did, unfortunately, because he was, I get it. He was in a no-win situation. He right? was in a no-win situation. You know, situation. if you don't lock down and people die, then, you know, you're the killer. There, there was, there was, there was no win there. It yeah, was, there it's, wasn't. it's difficult, but I think they, we just let it go on too far. So fast forward now, you know, obviously Ron DeSantis owes his political career to Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis, you know, me being from Florida again, was way down in his original campaign four years ago. He was down to a guy named uh, Andrew Putman, who it comes from a long line of Florida politicians. Are we, are we talking about primary now? Yeah, in the okay, primary. Got to give us some clarity here. Right? Okay. Donald Trump saw DeSantis as a true conservative, went in, did some huge rallies for him, and DeSantis shot to the top of the ticket. And this so. was before Trump was even president. No, this no, was this 2018. 2018. Okay, 2018. okay, all right. So he was president. Yeah, he threw okay. in, which is rare for a president to jump into a primary, but he did. And so kudos for Trump to seeing that, kudos for DeSantis to accepting it and, you know, getting the nomination and winning and all that good stuff. But I think Ron fast DeSantis forward has, to now. Ron DeSantis has been an amazing governor, yes. absolutely amazing governor. You know, everybody says he's Trump with softer edges, but Trump came out on his uh, true social, you know, calling DeSantis a an average governor of an yeah. average state. and A state you know, that, that Trump lives, lives in now, in, resides yeah, in. Yeah, moves there. It breaks my heart in terms of it's so Trump, childish. you don't need to do that. Yeah, it's childish. Exactly. It's, he just acts like a 13-year-old boy. Yeah, uh, from times at, at times he does. Well, that time he did. Agree. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I think DeSantis is being smart, staying above the fray. Yep. Do I think DeSantis should run? I do. He is absolutely white hot at the moment, and that's what scares Trump. That's what yeah, Trump's what scares Trump. And I get it. Trump has great political instincts. Yeah, he does. Now I am of the mind that whoever wins, Trump or DeSantis. I will vote for them. So it's not like you're going to lose me if you insult the other guy or whatever. Well, but there are a lot of people and, you know, I've been listening to a lot of shows and and especially the ones where people call in everyday people. And that's where I feel like you get the best sense of what's going on on the ground. And what I find interesting, interesting is the number of people who are conservative, but are in the never Trumpers. So even if Trump gets through the primary, beats DeSantis and whomever else gets in, they're not going to vote for him. But there's but there's also the other side where people are so pro-Trump that they're saying they wouldn't vote for DeSantis. Like they don't yeah. they're not you. You have common sense. I, I don't understand why at the end of the day, the primary is going to be a battle, whichever way it goes. But why at the end of the day, would you not vote? I don't, I don't know. Well, what yeah, what I'm seeing out there is the Trump organization, Trump team is trying to paint DeSantis as establishment rhino kind of person. Which is not true. It's not. It's not. No. It, and I, let me throw this in here right now. If Ron DeSantis wins a nomination and goes mushy, I will be the first one to throw him overboard. He has proven so far in Florida. Wait, so you wouldn't vote for him if he wins the nomination and doesn't? I would if, if he were win the nomination and whatnot, but all of a sudden decided to be a centrist, I'm out. Absolutely. We don't okay. need any we don't need any more Paul Ryan's. I don't either, but that's my that's my caveat here. So I think he is a rock solid conservative. I really do. Okay. You know, when people talk about you know, the the never Trumpers, the National Review kind of conservatives that will never vote for Trump. They're also never going to vote for DeSantis either. Because, you don't know that. Well, because what's going to happen is the media, once if Trump is 
taken down, the media will go after DeSantis. They will. And they will make him look like, you know, the third coming of Hitler after Trump was the second coming. And the never Trumpers, they're so weak anyway that they, they, they will abandon and they'll vote Democrat or they won't vote at all, whatever. With Trump, he still has a lot of baggage. Right. I mean, from that's his, from so his past business and everything else, that's one thing that excites me about Ron DeSantis. Rock solid conservative from so far what we've seen in four years has no scandals to speak of. He's, you know, young. He's got three little kids. They haven't gotten in trouble yet. Yeah, you know, they haven't yeah. bit somebody in kindergarten or whatever. Right. <laughs> They'll try to make something up. But so far, I don't see anything that they could hang on on DeSantis. And the reason I said I think DeSantis should run, I said he's he's white hot right now and governing for another full four years. They, meaning the media, the left, will try to hang anything on him over that time frame. So you're giving the left a much bigger time frame to come up with dirt on you. Well, I might go in a different direction. Can we just bring a Gen Xer in? Please. <laughs> I'm done with the old dudes. I'm a Gen Xer. Okay, explain Gen X. Okay, Gen Xers, well, it used to be a 20-year period, but not anymore. So Gen Xers now are people who were born between 1966 and 1979, 1980. Those are Gen Xers. I'm a Gen Xer. And so I'm like, can we just bring in some young blood, please, please? Yeah, it would be interesting. No to more see. Hillary? No, no. We don't want you to run again, okay? <laughs> I wrote you in as a candidate in 2008. I really did. I wanted you. Okay, he's making faces. <laughs> All right. I wanted you to win, lady. I did. Yeah, I was a bullet there. I was pro Hillary in 08, and then you let me down in 16. So no more baby boomers. We are moving on. I, I would just love to see a debate stage with Joe Biden at one podium and Ron DeSantis at the other. Oh, God. You know, They're the, not going to let Biden run again. Okay, we, that's a whole nother show. That's a whole nother show. That, that would be fun to watch. That would be fun to watch. That would be sad. I just want to see a conversation between Biden and Fetterman. We already saw that. Well, we saw mumbling. So I want to I want to see we it real sick. So. You put a clip to it <laughs> when Biden stumped for Fetterman and Fetterman just stood behind him like this giant ogre and didn't say a word. And like you said, Biden mumbled a few sentences and that was it. So I don't want to see that. That's boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like watching a, a slow motion train wreck. No, it's sad. Okay, it's okay. sad. Yeah. So the Senate's gone. Wait, the Democrat no. won in Nevada, won in Arizona. They have 50 right now. It's just a question whether they're going to have 51. With Georgia. With Herschel Walker and Raphael Warren. How did I not know this? I'm gone you were one on day. A retreat. Yes. I'm gone one day. See, things I happen. I thought it was winning. He was until they found more votes for the other person and they called the election. So that's the way it always works. <laughs> Yay. This reminds me so much of an episode of Veep where she was running for president and during the series, season four or five ish. She's running for president. She loses. And then they find these ballot boxes stuffed full of ballots for Selena in Nevada. And she did not win because those were taken away from her. So, yeah. yeah. Shocker. Yeah. It's real life. Yeah, yeah so, it does. So uh, Senate's gone. House oh, is wow. going to be very, very close. OK, so this was so much worse than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, oh we God. could go down rabbit holes with Mitch McConnell, but we, we won't. This, so. We won't. Thank you so much for watching and listening to My Favorite Conservative. I'm Andrea. I'm Edward. And I am not conservative, but he is my favorite conservative. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.